Well, if you have your Bibles, we want to begin today in the book of Acts chapter 2. And I'm sharing on the subject of visions and dreams. Visions and dreams. And we've seen that on the day of Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, that it affected what we say and what we see and what we dream. So I don't want to take time to go over the context again of of Pentecost, but let's take the main passage, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 17. It says, and it shall come to pass, this is the apostle Peter speaking here, and it shall come to pass in the last days. I think it's important that we all understand that the last days began 2,000 years ago. You'll hear many people teaching about the last days as if we're still waiting on the last days and coming into the last days. We've been in the last days for almost 2,000 years, so that's important for future teachings. But that it will come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So a part of spirit-filled life as an individual, a part of spirit-filled life as a church is us prophesying over our lives, us seeing visions, plural, and us dreaming dreams, plural. And yet when you hear about spirit-filled life, you hear very little about those things. God says, I'm going to invade your world. I'm going to impact your heart and your life in a way that I'm going to change your vernacular. I'm going to change your speech patterns. I'm going to change your language. I'm going to teach you to say what I say. No matter what you're facing in your family, in your, in your home, your marriage, in your careers, in your world, I'm going to teach you to say what I say. You're going to prophesy over your problems. You're going to prophesy over your mountains. You're going to prophesy over what you're facing and the giants in your life. And then I'm also going to change what you see. You will see visions. You will see what I see for your life by the Spirit. When it talks about being filled with the Spirit, God pouring out of His Spirit upon all flesh and prophesying, We're talking about saying things under God's inspiration. When we talk about seeing visions, we're talking about seeing things under the inspiration of God and dreaming dreams, dreaming now God's dreams for our lives versus a man's made dream for our lives. So that's a part of spirit-filled life is God working in the daytime, listen, and God working in the nighttime. I'm having a hard time getting most of you to believe God while you're awake. I'm telling you, you need to believe God while you're awake and asleep. That God hadn't quit working when you go to bed. God is working throughout my day, inspiring my language and to say what he says over the mountains and problems of my life. And he's affecting what I see. He's teaching me by the Spirit and filling me with his Spirit so I don't just see horizontally my problems. I can see vertically now in Jesus, my answer, my promises in in God. I can learn to walk by faith now and not by sight and that's my daytime and then at night again he wants to be working in my heart and in my life even when I'm asleep when I'm asleep many of you again it's it's a struggle for you to yield to God in the daytime I want to encourage you to yield to God even in your nighttime don't even give your dreams over to the enemy 
believe God to dream, dream dreams. Now, there's something that the Lord taught Sue and I years ago, and it was pretty powerful in our lives. I, I, I don't think there's been a week gone by that one of us hadn't prayed out of the book of Job, Job chapter 33. So I want you to turn over there. It'll take me a minute to get there. But one of the things God did in my life when I got filled with the Holy Spirit was not just a vision, but visions. Not just a dream, but dreams and dreaming dreams and seeing visions. And one of the things that happened to me, and I, I, I wish now I had time to give the whole testimony, but one of the first things God began to teach me was out of the book of Job and supernaturally how to divide that book. And it was very supernatural in my life. And Job has become one of my favorite favorite people in the Bible. This man was, was powerful. This man was profound. And there are things said about Job today that amaze me. And, and obviously people haven't read it. And if they have read it, they haven't heard from God. This guy was an awesome, awesome man of God. And he went through some issues that I know very few people could endure. And God blessed this man in his beginning. He, he had a, a rough trial and tribulation that was overwhelming. And then God blessed this man abundantly in his end. So God showed me that I had to study out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. You've got to study. As a minister, you have to study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. That one of the problems most Christians have is they just don't know how to divide the word of God. They don't even know how to divide Old Covenant from New Covenant. And you talk about being confused. If you don't rightly divide the Old Covenant from the New Covenant, you're going to really struggle. If you don't know how to divide law from grace, you're going you're to struggle in your walk with God. And so God began to show me that in the book of, of Job that God spoke in that book. And many places where God spoke, can I get a witness when God speaks, you can count on that and take it to the bank. Other places, the devil spoke. And you can't put a whole lot of stock in what the devil says, amen? Other places, Job, out of his frustration, spoke. Other places, he spoke by the Spirit of God. Other places, he had three friends, Elphaz, Bildad, and, and Zophar. And so far, they haven't said anything worth listening to. <laughs> Everything they said was wrong, and God got so mad at those guys, he was going to kill them. So I wouldn't put much stock in what those three friends said. Then there's a guy named Elihu that the Holy Ghost comes on, and you can believe everything he said as truth because he spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. While everything in the book of Job was said, and it's true that it was said, not everything in that book is true. Does that make sense a little bit? Okay, to some of you that makes sense. Well, God supernaturally began to divide that book up for me. And I, I mean, the revelation that came out of it was incredible. And one of the things that happened was Job 33. And there's this gold nugget in the middle of Job's frustration. And he's saying some things that you got to rightly divide. And then all of a sudden, he speaks by the inspiration of God in the middle of his problem. You ever known anybody like that and talking to them and they're talking after their flesh and they're just complaining and whining and murmuring then all of a sudden they speak the mind to God and you go, that's good, that part. You, you're not... Some of you are married to that person. Don't look at me like that. And so Job 33 is this gold nugget that God showed me and that Sue and I have walked in, prayed for ourselves many times, prayed for our children often, prayed for our church. So 
I want to look at Job 33 here, verse 14. For God speaketh once, yea, twice. Yet man, and we're going to stay here for just a second, yet man perceiveth it not. Now remember, Job is not born again. Job is not spirit-filled. And Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. We're not even sure who wrote it. And exactly the timeline it was written. It's such an old old book. It could have been before even the Abrahamic covenant. So there's very little revelation of God in the earth. Again, Job wasn't born again. Job wasn't spirit-filled. And Job didn't have the scriptures that you have, that you brought with you today and that we're looking at even on a monitor. And how many of you have gone through some things that looking back now, you blamed God when it was the devil at work? That's why I'm very merciful to Job. This guy started off Unlike what tradition teaches, God said this man was perfect and upright. He eschewed evil and he feared God. And this man lost all ten of his kids in one day. How do you endure that? Not being born again, spirit-filled. Lost all of his wealth in one day and he fell in the dirt, the Bible says, and worshipped God. This was a godly, godly committed man. Some of you, I love you, but if you lost your job tomorrow, you would curse God. If you lost one child, you would struggle even in serving God. And I pray no one experienced that pain. This man lost 10 in one day. And so he's confused. There's no revelation of God. He probably doesn't even know there is a devil, much less how the devil operates, what and how you discern whether it's the devil. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you might have life and have it in abundance. How many of you are still struggling with discerning God, devil? Here's God, life and abundance. Here's the devil, steal, kill, and destroy. Yet this man is struggling. And in that struggle, though, it's like the anointing comes on him and he says, man, God's talking. God speaks once and God speaks twice, but we don't perceive it. See, God is speaking to each and every one of you. God is wanting to fill you with the Holy Spirit and you prophesy. You say what he says and you see visions. You see what he sees and you dream dreams. You dream what God is dreaming for your life. And yet many times we're not hearing God. It's difficult to hear God. I'm not trying to be mean to you or hard on you. There's been seasons in my life I don't know what God is saying. But I know this, I'm not under the law. There's nothing I can do to get God to speak. I'm under New Testament grace, so that means he's speaking. I need to do some things to tune in to hear better. So God's speaking once, yea, twice, yet man perceives it not. Now look at the next verse. In a dream, in a vision, what am I preaching on? Visions and dreams. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumbering upon the bed... Then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. My goodness, that's profound. And that's under an inferior covenant, the old covenant. How much more under the new covenant does God speak to us? And even when we're not perceiving it, if we're still seeking him, if we're still serving him, that in the nighttime... God wants to seal his instruction from you. He wants to pull you away from your purpose and draw you to his purposes for your life. And he wants to hide pride from you. Man, I'm sorry. I'm excited about that because I've lived it for so many years. Maybe that's the first time some of you have even seen that scripture. But to me, that's profound. That if God would do that for a man under an old covenant, 
that's not born again, not spirit-filled, how much more will he do it for us that are born again and spirit-filled that I believe at nighttime God is going to open the ears of my hearing, the eyes of my seeing, and that he's going to seal his instruction in my heart and he's going to pull me away from my vision, my dream, and he's going to seal his visions and his dreams and he's going to hide my pride from me. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, I love you, but uh-oh, you probably clap premature because I'm fixing to come after you. But I love you, but many times, if not most of the times, the problems in our life is pride. It's just pride, and we don't need to get all shook up over that. You mean there might be pride in my life? No, I guarantee you there's some pride in your life. Pride is just self-centeredness. And I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm seeking God with all of my heart. And even this week, I had a couple of selfish moments. Anybody else have a selfish moment this week? The rest of you that didn't raise your hand, the person next to them needs to check their pulse. They're dead. They have assumed room temperature, I guarantee you. Because a part of how we follow God is deny self, take up our cross, and follow him. That's not a one-time thing. We're constantly having to deny self, take up our cross, our connection to Christ, our new identification in him and with him, and follow now the Lord. I'm here to tell you that God wants to even work in our nighttime, sealing his instruction, his will, his plans, his purpose, his visions, and his dreams for our lives. Can't tell you how many times I've gone to bed, I had to make a decision in the morning, it's 12 o'clock, and the decision has to be made, if you will, and I'm not sure what God is saying, and I've asked God, would you just seal that instruction in my heart, keep me from going my way, my purpose, because I don't want to go my way, or my purpose, and hide any pride from me. And I can't tell you how many times I've woke up in the morning and the answer was there. It was like the light came on. And I guarantee God wants to do that for each and every one of you. So even if you're struggling in the daytime, at least when you go to bed at night, trust God to work in your heart, even in your, in your sleep. Amen? Now watch this in connection to the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses, verses 18 through 20, Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And he says that the eyes, he's praying that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That we would know what is the hope of our calling. See, Paul prayed so different than most people pray. He didn't pray that God would do this and God would do that and God would give you this and God would give you that. He prayed that God would open your eyes to what you have. That's New Testament grace. I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you would know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance is in the saints. God's will for you is that your eyes be open to your inheritance. You have an inheritance in Jesus. It's been bought and paid for. There's a will that's been written. And Jesus has bequeathed to you the entire kingdom of God. Healing is your inheritance. You don't have to ask God to heal you. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for our healing. I'm saying we don't have to ask God to do what he's already done. We have to ask God to show us our healing. You don't have to ask God to bless you. We need to ask God to open our eyes to how blessed we are. Because again, what a deal. Jesus is the first guy that's ever died that wrote out a will and then on the third day was raised from the dead to be the lawyer to execute the will. Yeah. 
Make sure you get what was bought and paid for. Hallelujah. And so we have to start asking for our eyes to be. Let us see what you see, God. Let us dream what you dream. Help me to quit looking at and focused on my problems. And help me to see the promise. It takes faith. And everybody has problems. I don't know what I'm not saying. I don't know what people aren't hearing. Because a lot of people I keep running into, they really think they have problems other people don't have. Or their problems are bigger than other people's problems. Or badder and meaner than other people's problems. And the truth is, saints, we all have problems. There's just two groups of people. Those, those are, there are those that have problems, and then there are those problems have. There are those that have problems but can see what God sees and say what God says about those problems. That's called spirit-filled life. That's called walking by faith and not by sight. And you don't get there overnight, but you can get there. And God wants you all, all of us to, to get there. Again, when you look at Numbers, I struggled with Israel for so many years. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 26 through 33, the 12 spies come back and 10 of them come back with an evil report. Two of them with a faith report. They all looked at the same land with the same problems. With giants, they said. They said, we saw the giants. We saw the ites, all the ites, the Amorites, the, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, all the ites. And we saw these giant walls and we were grasshoppers in our own sight. Ten of them said that and saw that. Two of them said we'd be well able to take the land. God is with us. God is for us. He's already given it to us. We're able to take... Two of them said what God said. Ten of them said what they saw. Two of them because they said what God said. Listen. And saw what God saw. Yes, there's problems. You ever thought about this? Forty years later when they wound up back at the River Jordan. The walls were still there. The giants were still there. All the ites were still there. Something changed. What changed? They changed. They changed how they saw themselves and what they said. Hallelujah. And they possessed the land. There's ites in all of our lives. There's giants in all of our lives. There's great walls and challenges. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And God has given you the land. I wish I had time for this. The kingdom of God is our promised land as Christians. It is what was in types and shadows, the land and Israel and them possessing their promised land. And there are giants that we face in the kingdom of God in this particular age, the last days. The last days. Paul said that with much tribulation shall we enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But the violent take it by force. So just because we're born again and spirit-filled doesn't mean we don't have problems, giants, or ites. It's we don't see ourselves as grasshoppers anymore. We see ourselves the way God sees. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm seeing visions and I'm dreaming dreams. God's visions and God's dreams. And when God looks at me, he says, you are more than a conqueror. I say what he says and I see what he says. I am more than a conqueror. I am a world overcomer. You are a world overcomer. That's what God sees. That's what God says. That's what God's dream is for you is overcoming. I am such an overcomer and I can't see myself going under that I have a problem going under an overpass. 
When I see an overpass, I struggle going under. I just can't see it. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Yes, I got giants, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. See, all of these things I say, they resonate in your heart. They're the truth, but you don't say it and you don't see it. You're not dreaming it. You just need to sit around and look at a problem and dream. And say, Holy Spirit, show me what God sees. Because you think your problem and God in you can't get with God through you, whip it? God doesn't look at your problem and go, oh no, I didn't cover that. Oh no, you're an exception to the rule. You really are a victim. You know, God cannot see you as a victim. He, he, he can't look at anybody born again filled with the Holy Spirit and go, victim. He, he can't see anything and he doesn't dream anything but victor. And what you and I need is just to hear the Holy Spirit. Just to have new eyes to see and new dreams to dream and say what God says and dream what God dreams. Again, I used to struggle with why in the world would they not take that land? And I really have thought about this. I'm not going to apologize publicly for it. But I'm not near as hard on them as I really used to be because after all these years of pastoring I can't believe how many people are born again filled with the Holy Spirit and all they can see is the giants in their life all they can see is the great walls and I can't get over the walls all they can see is themselves in Adam as a victim themselves as you know it'll work for you pastor it'll work for other people but it won't work for me that's exactly what those ten thought they actually got mad at the two and wanted to stone them if you go back and read that, when the two said, we be well able and man, let's go. God said, it's ours. They got mad at them. That was a revelation to me for years. You'll recall they got so broken in their heart, they ripped their clothes. That was a tradition that started with one of the prophets that the prophet's heart got so broke that the prophet ripped his clothes as an outward show and act of an inward fact. And then Israel and the priest especially just started ripping their clothes as religious. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Jesus, but in that movie, uh, I come up out of my chair. I was so angry uh, at that high priest. And the high priest was standing there in all his religious garb, and he's looking at, at, at our sweet Jesus, and he says, tell me, are, are, are you the son of God? And Jesus basically said, I am. And the priest went, oh, and he ripped his clothes, and I just wanted to rip his face off his head. It's like, oh, God, that spirit of religion, I hate it. And I'm thinking, I can't believe God didn't kill him from heaven. Just bam! Just kill him dead, hallelujah. I told God years ago, if you people aren't going to believe God, I'm not ripping my clothes because the Bible says what you rip, you'll sow. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but God, if I ever get mad at the church, I'm going to rip their clothes, but I'm not ripping my clothes. <laughs> Bottom line is, when you stand up and say what God says, you'll be shocked at how people will get mad at you. And when you dare to see visions and you dare to dream dreams from God's perspective, people will get mad at you. But you can't let that keep you out of your promised land, hallelujah. You got to keep saying what God says, and you got to keep seeing what God sees. All right, let's go to Habakkuk chapter, chapter 2, Habakkuk chapter 2. And I'm going to skip 2 Corinthians chapter 3 because of time constraints. 
But I need you to write down 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, chapter 3 before I get to, to Habakkuk or when I get to Habakkuk, we're going we're gonna to go there. So I apologize to the media there. But Habakkuk chapter, chapter 2. In this chapter, God gives us instructions on how to handle certain kinds of visions and certain kinds of dreams. And so I'm going to break this down for us and I'm going to try to separate how do you deal with this kind of vision and dream and how do you deal with these kinds of visions and dreams because there's different kinds of visions and different kinds of, of dreams. So Habakkuk chapter, chapter um, 2, verse 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I'm reproved. Now, I'll come back to this later because one of the reasons people aren't seeing visions and dreaming dreams is because they're not open for the corrections of God. This man literally said, I'm going to get on the watchtower and I'm going to listen to what God says to me and if he, if he needs to correct me, correct me. If not, give me an answer. And, and most people just can't handle that. And I, I struggled with correction early in my youth and probably early in the ministry. But there has to be a point that you get over this fear of being corrected. And you have to learn to correct yourself. And you learn, have to learn to receive God's corrections or then he'll have to use other people. I don't like it when other people have to correct me. I'd rather correct myself. I'd rather God correct me. And so you get used to correction as a way of life, and that's what opens the door for visions and dreams. But a lot of people just resist correction, and so they quit seeing and they quit dreaming because they hinder God by not yielding in correction. And that's what he's saying, Habakkuk is saying. And so I'm going to come back to that, but let's go to verse 2. Verse 2 says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision down and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. Verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. See, some visions are in the future and have an appointed time. And we have to deal with those a little different than, than daily even visions from God. But at the end, it will speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. I only got one amen. We'll go over here. I can't tell you how that confused me years ago. The vision is going to tarry, but wait on it. It won't tarry. I mean, I don't know if you've ever read the Bible and go, who's confused here? I'm guessing me, but you wrote it. Amen? How can it tarry but, and wait on it, but it's going to come. It won't tarry. These have to be two different words, and they are. And we'll deal with that. Verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up. How many of you know that's pride? His soul that is lifted up. We all have to deal with self-centeredness. That's the simple definition of pride. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But the just shall live by faith. All right, let's break this down and deal with visions and how to deal with a vision in your life. The first one, and I'll come back to this, this session, but I'm going to fly through this in verse 2. It just says, write it down, make it plain, so that those that read it can run. I love the Message Bible. It sort of says, make it in big block letters so that even people running can read it. <laughs> I love that, because I feel like I'm traveling at the speed of light, and sometimes you got to slow down to even read a vision. If the vision is so plain that while you're running, you could read it, that would be awesome. So, 
We'll come back to breaking those three things down. Verse 3 says that there was an appointed time for the vision. Some visions have a timeline on them and an appointed time. They're time-sensitive visions. And you've got to deal with those different than other kinds of visions that God wants to give you in other kinds of dreams. Now let's deal with the word Terry real quick because that's the confusing part. The first word Terry is a different Hebrew word than the second word Terry. And remember, these numbers are Strong's concordance numbers. And because I can't read Greek and Hebrew, there's no sense in me trying to impress you with any kind of speaking of Greek or speaking of Hebrew. I'm impressed when I speak good English. But I give you the number to show you it's obviously two different words, two different numbers. The first one is 4102 in the Strong's Concordance. It means to delay. It means to linger. It means to hesitate. The second word, Terry, where he says, it will not tarry, means to be late. In other words, many things that God shows us, many visions we see and many dreams we dream have an appointed time in the future, and we have to believe that though there's hesitations, there's delays, it won't be late. God is always on time, just it seems like never on our time. (laughs) Nobody caught that. God is always on time, but it seems like he's never on my time. I haven't thought this out. A lot of times when I'm preaching, I'm working out. My message. Have you figured that out? Okay, you haven't figured that out. I haven't worked this out, but I've been thinking as I'm sharing, I don't know if one time sensitive vision, and I've had multiple multiple visions and dreams, I don't know if one of them happened when I thought it was going to happen. Now, I'm going to think that out between now and next week. Is there an exception? I always thought, well, that'll happen by the first of the year. And two years later, I'm going, hey, There's a delay. But God, when he showed up, it was perfect timing. I just didn't see it clear. I was seeing it, but I didn't see clear. All of us are looking through a glass darkly. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and as I scan this crowd, some glasses are darker than others. (laughs) The guys that didn't laugh, that's who I'm talking about. I mean, I've met people, their glass is really dark. Other people were seeing... But it's not clear. And that's why we have to deal with these visions and dreams and walk them out and work them, work them out. God is always on time, just usually not on our time. So there's tarrying, but then we don't have to worry about tarrying. While there's delay, there's never denial in a vision from God. Every vision I've had. Every dream I've had has come to pass. The only visions I have now and dreams I have now that have not come to pass are the ones that began yesterday. So even as I'm, even as I'm seeing visions come to pass and dreams come to pass, there's new visions and new dreams that God is working in my life. All right. The next verse, verse 4 says, the just shall live by faith. This is, how we, this is how we receive visions and dreams from God is by faith. And this is how we fulfill God's visions for our lives and God's dreams for our lives is, is by faith. I'm, my time is getting away from me quickly. And I'm not sure how much I'm going to be able to cover because there's more in me than I was thinking. And one of the things that 
that again, I, I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get to is how do you know the difference between a man-made vision and dream and a God vision and dream? What, well, you can bring to pass even a man-made vision dream in your own strength. So how do I know? One of the ways you know of many is if, if you can't do it in human strength and human ability, it's probably God. If you can do it, it's probably you. Every vision from God and every dream I've ever gotten from God, I couldn't do it in human strength. I had to do it by faith. I had to step out in faith. And I believe it's one of the ways you know if it's God versus it's just your own heart or your own mind. So we live and walk by faith. All right, verse 2. Let's break the three things down in verse 2. Number one, he said, write it down. Now, this is important because I've heard people talk about visions and dreams and they always say you got to write them all down. And that's not true. There are some visions, if you don't write them down, you're going to struggle seeing them come to pass. Other visions, according to the New Testament, you don't have to write them down. You need to act on them immediately. You don't even need to spend time writing it down, making it plain, so anybody else can read it and run. Let me give you some quick New Testament examples. In Acts chapter 9, Paul is on the road to Damascus. He has an open vision of Jesus and a revelation now of the body of Christ and our identification with Christ. And he didn't write it down. Then he has another vision because he's blinded by the glory of God and he literally can't see for the brightness of God's glory. And listen, it says in Acts chapter 9, he had a vision of a man named Ananias, a specific man with a specific name, Ananias, coming in and laying his hands on him that he might receive his sight. He didn't write it down. Ananias had a vision of Paul having a vision and was told in the vision to go do it. He didn't write it down. He went and did it. Paul didn't write it down. He's waiting on Ananias. Come on. I believe I received. And the minute a guy walked in and said, Saul or Paul. I think he called him Saul. Yeah. Uh, Brother Saul is what he called him. Uh, and said his name. I can just picture Saul or now he's, he's already made the transition to Paul. Put your hands on me. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I've already seen it. You'll recall a man named Cor Cornelius. He's a Gentile. Acts chapter 10. He's seeking God even though he's a Gentile. And he has a vision of an angel. And the angel says, send men to Joppa and specifically ask for Peter. That is so awesome. Man, I wish I had time to share on that. Why didn't the, why didn't the angel just tell him the plan of salvation? Because that's what... Peter told him was the plan of salvation. Angels don't preach the gospel. Angels protect us so we can go preach the gospel. Amen. So, he didn't write it down. He acted on it. And then Peter, and I love this. Man, there's some things in here I'm so excited about. And I'm asking God, show me what this is. And I'm excited about still being excited about the word of God. And God speaking to you out of the word of God. Because I don't care how much you've heard God, there's more to hear. And so, Peter, it says at noontime, was hungry. I think that's in there for a reason. I think God was even using his flesh to get him into a position to speak to him and used food to speak to him. So, he's hungry. He goes up on the terrace to pray. He has a vision of a sheet coming down out of heaven, all four corners being held. 
And this sheet's coming down out of heaven. Now watch this. And it's got all kinds of meat on it. All kinds of animals on it. Clean and unclean. And he hears a voice say, kill and eat. I love that. Kill. (laughs) And eat the animal. And he goes, not so. I have never ate anything contrary to Jewish law. Now here's what's interesting. That honestly, I've never heard anybody say this my whole life. And it's right there, and it's powerful. And it says that it happened three times. There's a lesson to learn right there. First time, not so, I rebuke you, devil. How many times has God spoke to us and we thought it was the enemy? How many times has God spoke to us and our unrenewed minds kicked in and even with a religious answer said, no, I'm not doing that. Then God shows it to him a second time. Why the third time? Because the second time he went, I ain't sure about that. But I'm not eating that meat. And so finally the third time he got the revelation that many Christians today born again and spirit filled haven't understood yet that all the dietary laws of clean and unclean were types and shadows of things to come separating those that are in covenant and clean before God those out of covenant that weren't clean by God before New Testament grace it was the Jew under the Mosaic covenant that was considered clean and all the Gentiles were considered unclean and God was showing him in the dietary laws don't you call unclean what I have cleaned and then there's a knock at the door to go preach to a Gentile and he acted on it he didn't write it down he said feet don't fail me now feet don't fail me now and he got into a Gentile's house that he was forbidden under Jewish law to enter and preached the gospel to the Gentiles aren't you glad that the middle wall partition between Jew and Gentile clean and unclean has been tore down and in the blood of Jesus we're all made clean we're all made clean All of those divisions were types and shadows that have come in Jesus now and God has cleansed every nation, not just Israel. And so, those visions were not written down. They were acted on immediately. And many times in my life, life, I'll get a vision or a dream and I need to act in faith immediately. Other times though, it's in the future. What Habakkuk was talking about was something still to come and it involved a lot of other people. Some vision, oh man, I'm, I'm in a hurry. Some visions and dreams are for you and you only. And God doesn't need you written it, writing it down. He's already written all of his visions and all of his dreams down in what we call the Bible. He wants you to read it and now run, hallelujah. God wrote all his visions and dreams down in the Bible for you. And he wants you to read it. He's made it plain in Jesus. And now you need to act in faith and run. Other things though, like our church vision isn't just for me. It needed to be written down. It needed to be made plain. And it needs to be made where anybody can read it and run with it. A business involves other people and you need the vision written down. You need to make it plain where people can read it now and run with it. Our home. There's no, there's no scripture in the Bible that's written concerning the home Sue and I had in our heart that we believe God put in our heart. So we had to write it down. And, we, and it took 27 years. 27 years before we could believe God for the vision. Before we could afford the house that was in our heart. Look, young people, listen up. 
It took us 27 years to believe for the vision. And it got clearer and clearer. And there was a point where we were able to put it where an architect could run that read it. Then the vision changed in the sense of the ministry has changed since we got our house. We want to entertain more now. We want to entertain elders. We want to entertain leaders in our home. So we had to, we had to change the, the back porch and we had to write it down. I was in a hotel with Sue with a gun to my head. Write it down. <laughs> Figure of speech. Sue's in the service. Let me, let me calm this down. But I wrote it down, and, and then we, we had to rewrite it, and then rewrite it, and then rewrite it, where the architect and the landscapers could read it and run. I'm just giving you some quick examples. I, I believe we ought to, and I'm going to pray about this, because I've heard myself say this now numerous times, and it's, it's resonating in my heart. I'm thinking about making every one of you write a vision down. I am really considering making you do it, every one of you. Because you'd be shocked at how hard it is to take what's in your heart and write it down. And when you write it down, that's not quite right. And yet that's how, that's how it becomes alive, is write it down. So, so sometimes we write down, sometimes we don't. Second Corinthians, Paul said that the Holy Spirit is writing on your hearts God's word and that your epistles read and known of all men. So there's some things I don't need to write down. God's writing it down in my heart, and everybody that looks at my life can read it and run. If you hang out with me very long, you're going to see God's word in my life because it's written on the tablets of my heart. And you can run now if you read it by faith. All right, let's go to... Uh, on a little further quickly here for me. I've already got covered, covered that. Examples where it's written down. All right, number one, write it down. Number two, make it plain. In, in number one, we define a vision. Here's what you believe God's will for your life is. You write it down. In number two, you refine it because once you write it down, you'll be shocked at how, well, that's not, that's not very clear because in making it plain, you're looking for clarity, simplicity. And if I was teaching just on a vision and how to really work on a vision versus visions, then you gotta, you got to evaluate, and, and that's how you improve. And then you got to communicate the vision if it involves other people. That leads to number three, and that is those that read it can run. That's redefining it. My original vision that I shared in my last session, I defined it. Then, as the years went by, I had to refine it. And now, as the years continue to go by, I had to redefine it. And that's the process of visions in our lives because we see through a glass darkly. And so we have to learn to bring clarity to the vision, simplicity to the vision, especially when it involves other people. Like our vision, we've been working on it for years. We've been writing things down for years, but we've come to a place of redefining. Our vision is we build healthy churches, growing people in Christ. Anybody can read that and get it now. We build healthy churches, growing people in Christ. What's, our, what's your mission statement? We love God, we love people, and we serve both. That, that's everything. You look at my life, you look at the leaders' lives, you look at our church in general, and there may be exceptions to people that come here, but if you've been coming here regularly, you love God. And if you come long enough, you're going to learn to love people. And if you come long enough, you're going to serve both. 
It's our mission statement. It's at every location. And I don't just do that for Victory Life churches. Any church I help, I do the same thing. I just don't have the connectivity with them that I have, have with you. Let me close with this. There are two extremes that are here today. Two extremes that are here today. First of all, obviously we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to work that out and walk that out. So we're all pursuing that. But okay, we're born again. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. What are the two extremes? You've got people that are dreaming God's dreams, seeing visions, but they're not running. They're not acting in faith. You have to act at some level on a vision in faith because the only way to fulfill the vision is by faith. And so you've got to run and not keep making excuses. Many of you sit there and you go, man, my dreams, I've got dreams from God, I've got visions from God, and man, when I retire. And the problem with that is, by the time you retire, you can't hardly walk, much less run. <laughs> man, when the kids grow up and get out of the house, man, I'm gonna seek my, and run with my dreams, and well, how's that working out for you? Man, when I get the money, Man, if I had to wait for the money, for the visions and dreams in my life, and not act till I got the money, we'd be in a double-wide trailer. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So we have to learn to take steps of faith in any dream and any vision God has for your life. Just a small step in the right direction. Then the second extreme is, some of you are running, but you're going nowhere fast. Amen. Maybe that's not too many. I didn't get much of a response on that. I know lots of people that are busy and they're running fast, but they're going in a circle. They have no direction for their life. They're not, they're not aiming even at a target, a goal, a hope that came from God in seeing visions and dreaming dreams. Those of us that are sitting here that we are dreaming dreams and we are seeing visions, we have to take steps of faith toward it. You don't have to jump off a cliff, but you've got to take some steps. Those of you that are running and you're just busy, you're too busy to read your Bible, you're too busy to come to church, you're too busy to serve God. A lot of motion. Never confuse motion for direction. Never confuse motion for direction. And those are the things I think over the next two sessions I'm going to help clarify and help us walk out. Did anybody get anything out of this? Father, I love you and I ask that you open the eyes of mine. For additional free CDs or a catalog of all our teaching messages, please contact Dwayne Sheriff Ministries, Post Office Box 427, Durant, Oklahoma 74701, or call us at 580-920-1791. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.